What is spiritual abuse and what are the warning signs that you or someone you know may be a victim? How can the church promote a culture of spiritual health? Dr. David K. Bernard responds in this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Dr. David K. Bernard. As General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International, I want to invite you to join me September 19 through 22nd in Indianapolis, Indiana for our annual General Conference. General Conference is an opportunity to experience firsthand what God is doing across North America and around the world through the ministry of the United Pentecostal Church International. Last year's General Conference in Orlando, Florida was one of the best in recent memory. We're expecting God to do great things again at this year's General Conference. You can visit upcigc.com and subscribe to email updates to learn more about what's happening at this year's General Conference. I look forward to seeing you later this year in Indianapolis. God bless. It seems like this term spiritual abuse is something that we're hearing more frequently than at any time in the past. And those who are listening to this, they may know somebody or even feel like they themselves have been the victim of what they might call spiritual abuse. I'd like to ask, what is spiritual abuse and what are some warning signs that that may be occurring what guidelines can a church put in place to, to prevent that from happening? And how can we, maybe the best question is, how can we create a, a culture of spiritual health where we're making sure that these types of, where spiritual abuse is not happening? This is an important question because there are so many spirits in our world today uh, that we need to give attention to this concept of spiritual abuse. However, before I deal with that, I do want to say uh, I don't want anyone to misunderstand me. There's real spiritual authority in the body of Christ. And in another podcast, uh, you'll see me discuss that. But uh, I do believe in pastoral authority. I do believe in godly leadership. And there are numerous passages of Scripture who talk about how God uses humans in leadership to, to guide his people. Uh, so we're not attacking the role of a pastor. We're not attacking someone who uses true spiritual authority based on the word of God and by the spirit of God to encourage people, to warn people, to admonish people. That's not abuse. Um, that's fulfilling the role uh, of a biblical leader and a biblical pastor. However, whenever there's proper abuse, the devil always has misuse or abuse. And so that's what we're really talking about right now. And so let me just say this. Only God has absolute authority. No other authority is absolute. Every other authority should be accountable. So one of the signs of spiritual abuse is when uh, a leader tries to assert absolute authority over people and is not accountable to anyone else. Uh, one basic principle, Jesus said the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12, is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So one good test I always tell for leaders is um, whatever 
you expect of people, are you willing to give that same uh, follow that same teaching? So if you teach people to give of their tithes and offerings, do you do the same? Do you, if you teach people to work for unity in the church, do you do the same? If you teach people to submit to spiritual authority, do you submit to spiritual authority? We should all uh, follow those same principles. There's no there's no asterisk in the scripture behind certain verses to say, well, if you are a card-carrying minister of the UPCI, you do not have to obey this scripture. Or if you uh, are a leader in a local church, this does not apply to you. No, the principles apply to all of us. So no authority is absolute except God's. All other authority must be accountable. And when you see someone who's not accountable or is acting without accountability, then you know there's a problem. And to address your question, what's a, a, a good way to prevent spiritual abuse is, is accountability. So that's why I don't think you have to belong to the UPCI to be saved, but one of the benefits and important reasons for an organization such as the UPCI is to provide accountability, to provide leadership in your life that's not just of your personal choosing, but you submit to a structure, you submit to leaders of an organization who we hope are also spiritual leaders as well. They're not absolute leaders. They're not dictators, but you owe them respect. Uh, They are able to admonish you. There are certain rules that we agree to live by. There are certain procedures we give to uh, agree to live by, even though they may not all be our own personal preference or choice, but that's accountability. So belonging to an organization submitting to the structure and leadership of that organization in the local church, having a church board, having an an annual business meeting, having a budget, um, having certain job descriptions and roles. These are all ways of accountability. Um, In the UPCI, if there's an allegation of wrongdoing, we have a judicial procedure. That is a procedure to follow, to investigate, and ascertain if there has indeed been wrongdoing. So all of these are mechanisms. Uh, There's informal accountability as well through peers and mentors. And I teach leaders, every one of us, we should have spiritual leaders like pastors and mentors that we listen to and heed their admonition. We should have peers that we respect who can speak into our lives and we'll listen to them. And even to our followers or those that we're leading, there's a there's a certain amount of accountability to them as well, that we're doing a good job, that we're transparent, honest, and open, um, that we're not just doing things for them, in our opinion, but we're showing them what we're doing so that it looks good in 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 their understanding as well. And I uh, let me give you some scripture to show you on the positive side in First Peter chapter five, uh, reading from the New King James, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. This gives some positive admonition, but also by implication gives you some warning signs. So this is talking about pastors slash elders slash bishops. These three terms are all used interchangeably in this passage. So there is real spiritual authority. You're to shepherd 
the flock. That's a pastor. You're to serve as overseer. That the term for there is the same term for what we get bishop. So there's a genuine spiritual leadership of oversight and uh, guidance and protection, feeding, caring. But notice, not by compulsion. So you don't do it because you're forced to. So a warning sign might be if someone is in a position for wrong motives or even put in position by someone else, not truly called of God, but they think it's a family business or a hereditary monarchy, um, you know, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So if someone is trying to benefit inappropriately or unduly, whether finances or other means. Now, Paul talks about those who live of the gospel, uh, those who minister the gospel deserve to live of the gospel. So certainly we should pay our leaders and our ministers uh, what we can, and, and those that are full-time in ministry should be supported by their ministry. But uh, a warning sign would be people using a position of authority to cheat people, to deceive people, to um, take money from them inappropriately, uh, dishonest gain, nor is being lords over those who trust you. So dicta- being a dictator, um, being authoritarian. So it's one thing to admonish, but I tell leaders, your authority comes from the word of God. So when you're teaching people the word, you have authority. But when it's your personal opinion, that's your personal opinion. People can have the right to agree or disagree. Even if you are the leader, they don't have to follow everything you would prefer, but you can insist that they need to follow what the scripture teaches. And likewise, I say, I say your power comes from the spirit. So you can't use carnal means to try to force people. Even if you're trying to get them to obey God or the word of God, according to your understanding, if you're using carnal means to force them or manipulate them, uh, psychological techniques or coercion, then that's not right. It, your, your, your authority is the word. Your power is the spirit. So you have to teach and preach, and you have to let the spirit lead. At the end of the day, you have to let them make a choice, just as, Adam, as God allowed Adam and Eve to make a choice, just as Judas, God allow, uh, Jesus allowed Judas to make a choice. So they, they were warned but they weren't coerced. They weren't forced. They weren't browbeaten. They weren't manipulated. Their will was respected even when they were making a bad choice. And um, I, then I also say the only acceptable motive is love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So if you're doing things for any other reason than love, it's not right. You have to be motivated by genuine love for people. Now, let me also give you a passage to show you there is a real reality of spiritual abuse, um, the Apostle Paul talks about some false prophets, some pa- false apostles that came to Corinth, and he described what they did in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20, and he, he admonishes them, you Corinthians, you allow these people to come in and take over, and you shouldn't have allowed that. He says, for you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face. Pretty amazing, isn't it? And uh, what I also think is interesting is uh, I'm going to read this in another translation. Let's let's choose the NIV because it helps the words become vivid and alive. Uh, in fact, you even put up with anyone 
who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. So here be examples from the Bible of spiritual abuse. Someone who enslaves you, like a dictator, a lord, coercion, manipulation, force, uh, whether it be psychological or physical, uh, exploits you, so taking advantage of you, taking your money, taking your belongings, you know, requiring you to do stuff to benefit them personally. Uh, number three, takes advantage of you, so maybe a similar thing, takes advantage of your time, money, your influence for their own personal glory, uh, puts on airs, so pride and ego, egotistical behavior, uh, demanding things for them, uh, slaps you in the face, which could be physical abuse. Uh, it could be metaphorical or physical. And certainly I mentioned any form of sexual abuse, uh, violating sexual ethics under the guise of, well, I'm a spiritual leader, so I owe you owe this to me, or I'm an exception, or God is letting me do this. Um, those kind of uh, false rationales um, to take advantage of someone physically. Uh, so physical abuse or sexual abuse or emotional abuse. So these are the things that are, are warning. So if you see this happening, you should look for an accountability structure and report it to the proper structure. And if there is no accountability, if there is no structure, you have to remove yourself from that situation because God does not expect anyone to be subject to spiritual abuse. Having said all that, um, we're not talking about you're getting upset because you don't like what the preacher preaches or you don't want to follow the reasonable guidelines of the church that are based on the word of God, or you're upset with a decision. I think when you start feeling that way, you should pray and ask God, uh, first of all, to give you pure motives and give you a clear understanding. Uh, and hopefully, uh, at least within our ranks, abuse would be very rare. But as long as we're in this life, uh, we've got people who sin and we can't totally eliminate sin from the church or abuse from the church, but we can try to establish accountability both locally and uh, nationally, generally, so that we can teach people leaders properly and we can prevent abuse and we can deal properly with abuse if it occurs. But in the end of the day, we're all accountable first and foremost to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.